0: Shoot some pool down there
1: You can act a fool down there You can play it cool down there At the Bama Breeze You can drink some beer down there Argue, laugh and cheer down there Pass another year down there Jimmy got caught smoking a joint out Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by Sea Geek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host Justin Pennick. and we have a special co-host, the Football Grump of the Just Giants Podcast. Uh, last podcast down at Senior Bowl week, we are we are on a couch. A fun week of practice. You know, we're going to get into the Mike Kafka stuff. Uh, you know, Giants defensive coordinator, and we have an interview with Oregon offensive lineman Jackson Powers Johnson, who you know we interviewed. Obviously, in the Giants got to talk with him about moving the guard. So fun episode. Justin, how are you doing?
2: I am not doing great. Because sound, we're leaving Alabama. I sound, because uh, we're leaving Alabama, it might sound like I have something in the, perpetually at the back of my throat this episode. Uh, the postseason and Alabama have defeated me. Um, but I we had a great week. We got a lot done. And I'm glad the football grump is here, so I don't have to say as many words this episode.
0: I, I can do plenty of talking for you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm not sick. I didn't get sunburnt too bad this year. Just a little bit on the nose and ears. So I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I love coming down here.
1: Yeah, fun week. Very fun week. Uh, we got a lot accomplished. Everything really uh, went perfect too. Like the weather was great. Yeah. and we got like better access this year, and all of our stuff went out like quicker and better. So it was really, it was really fun. Yeah, fun. Excited. I mean, I'm already excited to come back down next year. Uh, so, we're going to get into all of it. But we got to talk about Kafka being uh, you know, officially back and then the Giants defensive coordinator search. First, this episode was brought to you by some special people David uh, uh, Mangiano, Man Gano, he's a Graham Gano's man. Jeffrey Graham, that's actually Billy Graham's grandson, the grandson. And then uh, just Jacob, who's part of the world beater tier. Justin, who are uh, these Jacob Grahams?
0: Grump, do you know where they went? They went to patreon.com. Where they signed up slash, g- talk slash, slash giants. talker giants, yeah, of course. Where they subscribed and they got free stickers and things like that, right?
1: L- which again, some people have used to put on the Dunkin' Donuts in Mobile, Alabama, which is rough. So make sure to uh, rough, which is good, which is good. But people, people did ask. We had a couple high note people send us, bit like, yeah. "Hey, I, s- I saw your stickers at uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts in Mobile, Alabama," but and I told them we're trying to get to the bottom of this, so. Uh, let's let's get into this episode, guys. Before we get into all the senior bowl stuff, we do got to talk about some Giants uh, related stuff. Mike Kafka is returning, per Jordan Renan. Uh, you know, he went through the off the head coach search with the Seahawks. Got a second interview. Was supposedly like a real candidate for them. They ended up signing Mike McDonald. Uh, Justin, I mean, we've been under the impression since the season's over, that like, Mike Kafka wanted to leave, right? And every time we'd ask people, they'd say, yeah, he's probably going to be gone. He wants to leave. Uh, so everyone said he was leaving, uh, though nothing – but they never said, like, it's confirmed, like they're just working on getting it done. Nothing was official. So basically, it seems like Kafka wanted to go, but not – he wasn't going to be, like, immature and force his way out like Wink Martindale did, which I do respect Kafka a lot for that. Um, and But Tuesday, Justin, we were here, and we finally got somebody, you know, within the Giants – who we asked, like, what's going to happen with Kafka? And they said, they're not going to let, and I feel like the word let is very key in that, let him interview for a lateral job. So the Giants are going to keep Mike Kafka to offensive coordinator, a decision I like. But to me, it comes down to, does Brian Dable call plays? Because if Brian Dable is calling plays, I feel like he should have let Mike Kafka go and, you know, look look for a job that he would have had that opportunity. Because he he came here... For, with under the impression he was calling plays, he left the Chiefs to be the offense coordinator here to call plays. He went with someone that he had never coached with before, into a whole new regime, learned a different playbook to call plays. And I think Mike Kafka is a good play caller. You know, some of their better games were when he was calling plays. Uh, you know, including like with Tommy DeVito. So I really hope Mike Kafka calls plays. And if Brian Dable decides that he's calling the plays. To, then he needs to stick with it. But I just don't want someone here that's just here for one more year because they're under contract for another year.
2: Yeah, my, my impression throughout this whole time, I mean, you could even go back a couple weeks. Well, I never, like, doubted, you know, what you were hearing and all the people that you were asking. I, I thought that Kafka was going to stay, and the only way that he was going to leave was if he was going to get a head coaching job. And I, I don't think
1: he's ready. Um, like. He shouldn't be getting a head coaching uh, job.
2: No, no. I really don't think he's ready, and I did not think that the Giants were going to let him kind of take that lateral jump. Um, the one thing that we haven't figured out, Bobby, and you know, the one thing that we haven't heard, you know, we've gotten clarity on the relationship between Wink Martindale and Brian Dable and why that's a little tense. We never really figured out why the relationship between Dable and Kafka got to a point where Dable took away play calling. So maybe it is
1: the fact that I don't think it has to do with like added. I think it just Dable wanted to call the plays, which is fine, but just take then take the play calling and call the plays. But like don't there has to be a reason why. I mean and that's
2: the but there has to be a reason well why did he get to the point where Dable felt like he needed to take the control back of that? Um so Kafka's I don't think Kafka's ready to be a head coach, but
1: I'm also at the same time glad that he's here because I do feel that he is an advantage. I hope they can figure it out together. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of success, you know, in the passing game in 2022 in the run game. You know, this year went sideways for a, a numerous amount of reasons, but I do think he's, like, a smart young coach in the NFL who is his, who is on the up and would get an offensive coordinator job somewhere else if given the opportunity. Uh, but I, I just – I want him to call the plays, though, because if he doesn't call the plays, then he's gone, then he's gone next year, right, because that's when, you know, you would assume – He's, he would, he was under a three-year contract. He would go, and he's just going to go at that point anyways. So, like, if 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 that's the case where you don't want to call him plays, then I would like Brian Dable to go out and get a new offensive coordinator that maybe doesn't let him call plays year one but molds him into that point. You know, like even Davis Webb, the QB coach for the Broncos, we know he spent a lot of years with Dable, knows the Dable offense like crazy. And, you know, the Broncos, like, really, really like him. Go get him to be your offensive coordinator with the understanding of, hey, you're not calling plays this year, but if everything goes right, you can have that opportunity next year. Uh,
0: so, again, let let Kafka call plays. Let me ask you this straight up. Gun to your head right now. Do you think Mike Kafka is calling plays next year?
1: No, because, I mean, the rumors have been that, like, David wants to take more control of it. You know, he took control of offensive meetings in the year, which I, I am fine with that, right? Like, hey, you're you're an offensive head coach. Take control of the meeting. It is your offense. Put your stamp on it. Um, but at the same time, like, I would like our head coach to be doing the, you know, the actual head coaching uh, and and handling all sides. Right? We're gonna have a new defensive coordinator here. Being able to handle that, you know, handle all the day the day stuff. Uh, I I think Dable can call plays and be head coach. A lot of you know some of the the best head coach. A lot of the best head coaches in the NFL do that. But what they also don't do is bring in somebody new that you're not familiar with and basically kind of shun them.
0: What do you think? Gun to your head. Is Mike Hafferck calling plays? I think he does. Yeah, I think I so think they figure it out. I mean, I am I have nothing else to base this on other than my gut is that originally he was brought in here. He was brought in to call the plays. As far as we know, he called all the plays in 2022. Um, it, My opinion is that 2023 started the spiral for Brian Dable. They went six quarters where they didn't score a single point and I think that it reached a point where he felt like he needed to take control of the situation. Not necessarily anything that Mike Kafka was doing. His whole operation was falling apart right in front of him. And you can't go 0-2 in the NFL, especially against a shitty Arizona team. So I, I honestly think that that's where it started. And, you know, I don't think that it should be given back and taken away again or anything like that. But yeah,
1: three different times that I, happened.
0: I, I agree. I'm not going to argue that. That's definitely bad for his confidence. It's not good for your operation. It, it's it, there's no continuity whatsoever. And, but I, I do think that a lot of the things that went into it was the quarterback injuries. The offensive line was not performing whatsoever. And I think that he felt like in order to not let the season get completely out of control, he needed to take control. And, you know, need becomes want because you're in control. You can take control. So I, I do think that when you have a whole other offseason to get started, I don't think, I don't think that Brian Dable wants that to be his organization because it wasn't the organization that he put together when he put everything together in 2022. So I, I, my gut feeling, I have nothing to base it on other than that, my gut feeling is that Mike Kafka calls plays next year.
1: We're actually watching Mike Kafka celebrate a Shrine Bowl win. Is he the greatest Shrine Bowl coach of all time? So basically this offseason off needs to be spent like working out, not this relationship, because I really don't think it's personal no,
0: I don't between think
1: so Dable and Kafka. I really think, it, like you said, I think it had to do with the results on the field. But hey, this is what I expect. This is the plan I want. If it isn't meant, I will strip call, play calling, and I will call the plays, and that will be, that will be the end of it. Uh, or you know, or you know, I'll either have you you know ride out the year, or I will just fire you as an offensive coordinator and promote Shay mm-hmm. Uh So hopefully, hopefully, all that gets figured out. But I I I, tr- I believe in Kafka. I really think he's going to be a good coach in the NFL, uh, and I think he showed some good evidence of that year one, year two. Again, got away from them. I think they got a little too confident in what they could be early on and then, you know, were able to – you know, they had a bad offense all year, but they were able to make Tommy DeVito look serviceable, right? Like Tyrod Taylor honestly played some of his better ball of his career, was pushing the ball downfield more than they want. This offense is begging for, uh, you know, explosive – like an explosive element to it, and I think they're going to hopefully work work to get that taken care of. Next that we got to talk about – Uh, Denard Wilson the Ravens DB coach one of the Giants DC candidates took the defensive coordinator job with the Titans Uh, that was not expected but you know there's an idea that Denard Wilson would go somewhere else. Bobby Babich, who the, like, the, was like our number two guy, the Bills hired him. I, we kind of thought that that might happen. The Bills needed a defensive coordinator, so they upgrade him. So that uh, Joe Shane's told the Giants reporters down here in Mobile, Alabama, that they should have it figured out by the end of the week. Well, you were listening to this on Friday. Maybe you know by now. But that leaves left uh, Jerome Henderson, the DB coach, the Titans defensive coordinator Shane Bowen, uh, Char- Chargers defensive coordinator Derek Ansley, the Dolphins linebacker coach Anthony Campanelli, and then the Chiefs' D line coach, Brendan Daly, but from Joe Shane's comments, you would think Brendan Daly is not really a part of the equation. Uh, it's just it becomes a lot harder to get your pick of the crop in year three with your seed hotter, coming off of a bad divorce with your you know defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, than year one where you are aligned with the GM. It's it feel it's a fresh start. You guys are building something together. Uh, I Justin, who do you think ends up being the defensive coordinator? Jerome Henderson,
2: right? It it
1: feels like it's really headed towards that. Yeah, I just feel like if if they really wanted to be Jerome Henderson, I feel like we would kind of have that news by now. But he is my favorite for it, right? Now, I do think the Titans defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen, is being a little underrated in this because the Titans defense wasn't good the last year and a half. Uh, but, like, he's always had, a, like, a top run defense in the NFL. Every, every single that he's been there, he's had a just top five overall defense one year, and then the other two years, you know, they were top half of the league in scoring and a little below average in, like, in stuff like EPA per play. Uh, you know, but at the same time, he is a coordinator who I think with good players is going to be good, with average players going to be average, and then bad players will be bad, while also being able to stop the run. But, you know, like, those numbers are better than, like, Jerome Henderson with passing – you know, the passing EPA, since he's been with the Giants, has been 17th uh, in yards. It's been 19th, 14th, 15th, 17th yards per attempt, 18th, 14th, 5th, and 17th. So those aren't great numbers, but we know Jerome Henderson. We know Jerome Henderson's a good coach, what he's been able to get out of uh, young DBs, you know, journeymen DBs, and then just good players like James Bradbury, Adora Jackson, Xavier McKinney, you know, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, you know, being able to get the most out of those guys, giving those guys career years and then making guys like Fabian Moreau look servable, Isaac Adam, you know, helping with the growth of, of Deontay Banks, you know, making Darnay Holmes, you know, fit in a zone scheme and then, and then switching into a more man scheme. He has the, you know, the versatility He's like, Hey, I, I've, I've been in a bunch of different defenses. I know how to be multiple which really, I think, is is a huge thing as a defensive coordinator in the NFL is really being multiple because you can be a this is my way type of defense, but it comes to bite you in the ass in the playoffs. You saw that with Dan Quinn this year with the Cowboys. You saw it with Schwartz and, and Cleveland when teams when you just become a this is what we do and we do it good, man. It's just like you got it. You got to be a tendency breaking defense, and I think Jerome Henderson would be uh, would want to bring that. I
2: mean, can I, can I ask you something? Yeah, go ahead. Jerome Henderson's been down here in Mobile, Alabama, part of me, this could just be nothing, but part of me thinks that, number one, he's not down here if he knows that he, there's a chance that that he could be gone. If there's a new defensive coordinator here, they can decide, I want my own secondary coach. Or he's down here already and so involved, and he was down here and involved last year even after Wake Martin had was hired, down here and involved so much because he knows he's a defensive coordinator.
0: Do you put any stock into that? Like him being down here. I I guess I hadn't really thought about it. Um, him being down here <laughs> as part of it. Because uh, I think if he if he knows even there's like a oh there's a good chance I'm gone, he's probably had those I mean
2: it's been so long I mean, since I the think, season ended. I
1: think Dabo loves him though, and yeah. the fact that whoever the defensive coordinator is that Jerome Henderson's a part of a yeah. part of that plan. Now he has been the most represented like we've seen we've seen him on the sidelines more than anybody. Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, has been down, yeah. but Denard Wilson wasn't hired until last night, and you know, it, all the tea leaves point to the Giants wanting Denard Wilson, interviewing him a second time. Right. Yeah. but I think he wanted to go coach with the yeah. Titans, right? He thought he viewed that as a better opportunity to start a fresh, uh, you know, for, with a you know with a new regime there. Uh, so I think Jerome Henderson is, is is been he's been a really good coach, and I would like to see him be a defensive coordinator for the Giants. Uh, if the guys that you know we wanted, Denard Wilson and Bobby Babbage aren't available,
0: I think that we all assumed that when Joe Shane said that it, we would have an answer by Friday, that it was going to be a two man race, and one of the men was Denard Wilson. Mm-hmm. So we assumed the other was uh, Jerome Henderson. But if is it possible that it was a be, because they knew the Titans were the other suitor? and that Shane Bowen was a defensive... So right. is it possible that Shane Bowen is the other... Yeah, I don't want to spend race?
1: a ton of time speculating because we'll, we're going to know soon. Right. Uh, but my point being is it sucks that because of everything that's happened, they're not able to get Denard Wilson. And it sucks that the oh, Wink-Martin-Dale soured yeah. sour to where he's not the defensive coordinator here because we view him as a good defensive coordinator. Brian Dable viewed him as that when he got here, and I think we all view him that at the end, even though the numbers, you know, the... The total numbers and stuff weren't great so this 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 is this is, this is the like the, the what you reap when you have when all of this has been so with wink martindale and all this is that denard wilson views the titans as a much better opportunity than the giants when if this was two years ago i you know i think denard wilson would be you know weighing his options with the giants a lot a lot harder so uh let's get into the senior bowl though that's what we're down here for we'll start with the quarterbacks uh, came down here thinking about Bo Nix and Michael Penix as maybe options for the Giants in the second round uh, I don't come out of here wanting either of these guys in the second round right and again Penix I think has a better film but watching Bo Nix down here I th- I thought he struggled he had a good day three but I thought the best plays in day three came in seven on sevens when there's no pass rush right that's not real football you know but it's just he looked unsettled. He looked uncomfortable. He had misses, like consistent misses, uh, bad misses on the quick game stuff. He was, you know, uh, you know had slight inaccuracies. He, he, he just looked to me like a quarterback that I just don't want to draft, right? Like he, he looked like a quarterback that I think I think Daniel Jones is better than him. And then Michael Panics, I, I want to go deeper in his film until I give a firm analysis. I thought he looked solid down here. He struggled a little bit on day three, showed good arm talent, but we didn't really get to see him throw it down the field. But I, I don't come down out of here being excited about either of these guys in the sense that, like, oh, I got to go watch these guys' tape because if it's really good, I want them, right? Where, like, even Malik Willis a couple years ago, he did really well down here, he was driving the ball through the rain, making reads, getting stuff out on time, where it's like, hey, I'm, a, I'm excited to go watch this guy's film. And then you watch the film, and like, oh, it's not as good as it, as it was down here. But hey, there's a lot of talent there. He's young. I just didn't get. I didn't get that from uh, from the Senior Bowl practices.
0: Malik Willis and Bo Nix were starting from two different launching locations when we came down here. Malik Willis had a lot to prove, and he could come in here and and impress us. Bo Nix was operating from a higher standpoint, where he was more likely to upset us than he was to impress us. So, I. I understand as someone who's just thing is, listening to us that like we might be overblowing one guy who's not very good and underselling a guy who might be better than Malik Willis, you know what I mean? But it's because of our expectations. But right now, we are fans of a team that needs a quarterback. So it's not because—you want the best quarterback you can get. He's he doesn't look like that. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that you trade up to get and that you fight other teams for and that you sell your franchise out to. Well, I
1: don't think he even looks like a quarterback that you'd take a flyer on in the second round. Um, you know, like if you get like he does like at that point like I just would rather just stick with Daniel Jones for another year if you're not in a position to get a quarterback. You know, and you could talk you talked about how well we came up with here with higher expectations. Well, Mac Jones came down here, and, you know, a few years ago. And he looked really good. Like he it was very clear, okay, this guy is better than the rest. This guy knows how to play quarterback. And, you know, he struggled. You know, he had a good rookie year, and then his career kind of regressed as it went on. But he came down here and looked really good, was pushing the ball down the field, accurate, making plays. Nick's didn't look like that at all, right? He looked good in seven on sevens and made a couple plays in team drills, but really never pushed the ball downfield, was inaccurate and the only good plays you can find are basically from seven-on-sevens and one-on-ones.
0: He just throws a good enough ball. He he never throws a ball that you're like, whoa, that never happens. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm not really sure. I come
1: out of this being like I would rather take Spencer Rattler in the fourth or fifth round than Bo Nix in the second round now I don't want Spencer Rattler in the day three I don't want to. I really don't want to draft a QB in day three for the most part anyways uh but that that's where I, ca- I come out of here from like I think Michael Penix looked good, like good right so Penix I feel better about but Bo Nix I, I came out of here pretty pretty disappointed after the buzz uh that that was you know there, there was buzz coming in here of him solidifying himself as a first rounder and I just did not see that at all
0: we saw a lot of throws hit people in the ankles, bounce in the dirt. I mean, like, these are things not to ignore. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, and, you know, you're not wrong. Like, Spencer Rattler looked more consistent. Like, he doesn't look like a better quarterback, but he looks like a guy who you absolutely know what you're going to get from him. Um, so, it, it's, it was just kind of disappointing that Bonix was not able to, uh, I don't know make us feel good about needing a quarterback at six instead of three or two.
1: That being said, offensive line, I do come out of this, and it hasn't happened always in years. Like, man, there is offensive line that I'd be excited about drafting, right? I think it starts with Jackson Powers Johnson, the the center out of Oregon, who the Giants met with and talked about moving the guard. A little spoiler for our interview with him. Uh, Like, he looked really good. He was controlling reps. He had really good recovery. He didn't practice on day three. He looked really good. UConn uh, guard Christian Haynes, he might have been my favorite player down here. He just – he dominated one-on-ones. He, he was my favorite player to watch. He controlled blocks with his hands. He had a great base strength. And to have a week at guard where, uh, of one-on-ones as clean as him is spectacular. You really don't see a player have a week of one-on-ones be that clean. Like, I, sh- I shouldn't be able to just recall your your bad reps and it be that easy, right? He had a bad rep on day one, his first rep at center. He's not a center. They put him at center. He has a bad rep where Braden, Frist, Braden Fist, the FSU defense tackle, just beats him off the snap. It just like he was his first time playing center. And then another play at center against Tavondre Sweat, the big nose tackle out of Texas, where, again, it wasn't the worst rep in the world, but he was able to walk him back. And Tavondre Sweat had kind of been bullying everybody else. So I thought he dominated. And then, Justin, there was a guy at Illinois that you really liked.
2: Yeah, I mean, Isaiah
1: Adams' guard.
2: Um, the Giants met with him twice, apparently. And, yeah, these guys in the Senior Bowl, they're meeting with all these teams, but pat it, it was enough where Pat Leonard felt the need to tweet out that he met with the Giants twice, and then also there was a tackle, Roger... Rosengarten. Yeah. ...from Washington um, that the Giants also met with twice. Adams had, two quote, two really good meetings with the Giants this week. So Isaiah Adams... Somebody who I love. His lower body seems strong. Seems like he really works his hands well technique. Maybe some questions about his upper body strength initially at the point of attack, but... I really liked Isaiah Adams, one of the most consistent players in
0: 1v1s all week. Yeah, and I'll address uh, Roger Rosengarten a little bit because I don't think we talked about him whatsoever on any of the streams or pods or Mm -hmm. anything that we did. But uh, Washington, right tackle, I assume. He was playing strictly right tackle down here. Every 1v1 rep, every every team rep, he was only on the right-hand side. He looks a little bit like leaner for a tackle I guess he's a big guy don't get me wrong but he doesn't look like overly bulky in the midsection or, or overly large with arms he's got some fast feet that look a little undisciplined they might be seeing like a backup tackle that they could mold if they're seeing anything at all but mainly when it comes to the trenches the second team I don't remember is that American National American American. that was a lot of fun to watch the trenches the D line the O line there was a lot of chippiness between them uh, we, we saw helmets being ripped off this week, yes. which is awesome from and both players. Chris, yeah,
1: the Jordan Jefferson, the, the LSU defense tackle, rips off Christian Haynes' helmet after he wins in a rep. And Christian Haynes just looks like, if you're scared, go to church. If you're scared, go to church. I really like him. I think coming down here, and he was someone, when I watched Peyton Wilson and did my film breakdown of Peyton Wilson versus UConn, I was like, who the hell is this guard, man? The way he climbed to the second level is beautiful. And I was like, oh, shit, that's the dude who's going to be down in the Senior Bowl, Christian Haynes. I watched him a little bit, and he was on my list of, like, top guys to watch. And he really did not disappoint where I'm excited about him. You know, I, I'm going to do a mock draft on March 1st, and I can tell you right now, pe- like, put him down in pen. He is going to be in it somehow, some way. And I think the Giants addressing interior early on is going to is going to be a big need. And then, like you said, you had Isaiah Adams out of Illinois, Jackson Powers Johnson, out of Oregon, who the Giants again talked to about moving the guard, and he played a little guard down here. And even he the good, even the tackles, right? Like, even like some of the top guys' tackles. You know, Talis uh, Fuaga out of Oregon State, he looked really good, right? He looks like someone who belongs in the first round. Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma, he really, really was a stud. And even Christian Jones out of Texas looked like someone who's like worth, you know, a, a day two pick. And we again, we talked to someone else about the tackle because I, we were talking, I was talking offensive line. With Someone, uh, you know, dude, you know, with like knows the Giants pretty well. And I said, Would you th- you think they'd be willing to take one in the second round? Thinking about like Tyler Guyton, possibly. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me, he's like, Second round. He's like, I think they'd be willing to take him, like, take one with the first round. So then we started talking about Olu and Alt and stuff. Uh, which again, I, I don't even really, I'm not even like looking at that top t- that six pick, and like, I want to get a tackle there. But I do look at the tackles that are available there, and be like, hey, I, I would be okay with that. Even though I, I would rather probably take a wide receiver if they're not getting quarterback. Uh, so, but again, like, start taking these tackles a little more serious. Look at them, and hey, these guys went down here look good to the point. Uh, Grump and Justin, what edge came down here and you were impressed with? Right, like I was trying to put together a, like an all defense team for the Senior Bowl. And Edge, man, there's. Really nobody that really impressed. I'd say, uh, you know, Light, light uh, Laita Latu, the edge out of UCLA, looked the best. But he, I thought he even disappointed for what he's supposed to be, right? Like, he's projected to go top 10 right now. Someone that's projected to go top 10 should come down here and kick ass. And he had a good rest, but he did not, you know, look like a dominant type of player, uh, even though he did show the flashes of it. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, Darius Robinson, the edge out of Mizzou, who they played on the inside a little bit, had some good moments, but like again, if you're that six foot five, two hundred eighty seven pounds, I want to see you dominate. And to me, it was just very underwhelming. So, uh, I thought the offensive line kicked ass all week long, which is good news for the Giants.
0: It was hard to distinguish between who was an edge and who was a D lineman because no one really stood out at edge at all. And, and and think about the fact of the guys who dropped out, right. Like,
1: Cooper Beeb out of Kansas State dropped out. Graham Barton Barton out of Duke dropped out. What's the guy? uh, Troy Fautanu out of Washington all dropped out. I was really disappointed to not have Fatanu or Barton because those are both tackles who I want to see play guard because I think that's their home in the NFL. Uh, But nonetheless, like, these guys really showed out. And even in team drills, sometimes team drills, offensive line can make it a pain in the ass down here. These quarterbacks had time to do what they wanted to do, and it made the – you know, the – Practice viewing a lot, quick little more nugget. Enjoyable. Darius
2: Robinson, you've been
1: talking about him as an edge, right? Well, yeah. he's kind of both. He's played on the ed- he's played mostly on the edge, and they put sli- slid him in a little bit. Yeah, because they he's listed as a defensive lineman this week. And he's not really got the measurements to be on the edge, like he, yeah, he's he, like, he, a he, in, in he like a five technique. Is he like a six three guy? He's 6'5", two eighty seven. Six
0: five. All right, so he's a, he's a little bit bigger. Than he's
1: gonna he's gonna he would most likely play five technique or you know a, mm-hmm. a four three defensive end.
2: I mean, I would say the edges that had some. Good reps that I remember. Nelson Caesar out of Houston. Chris Braswell every once in a while from Alabama had some. We mentioned Latu from UCLA. From UCLA. Brady McGregor uh had played like with some nice energy, but that's kinda like about it. And then your guy
0: Bobby um Br- Marshawn Nealand from, from western oh, okay. Michigan. That's that's kinda it. Yeah, and, and he didn't get a ton of reps, so we didn't get to see, no. to see a lot. But so these guys are still pro- the the guys we were talking about, Latu and um, Robinson, are still getting unreal first round hype. They're being projected into like the top twenty. I'm not even going to say that they're not going to go there because I, I I don't know about you. Latu's
1: film is pretty good, right? So I don't want to I don't want. But, but again, who else I- is
0: even in this edge class? Forget the Senior Bowl.
1: I mean Jared Verse at FSU is right. viewed as one.
0: I, I, I it's not a deep edge class, it doesn't feel like.
1: No, and there's I think there's a lot of talent. I think this is one of the more talented first rounds. I don't I don't, yeah. I'm, other I'm, positions I'm not, positions. not feeling the need to put the top edge and it's a top ten pick or a top even a top fifteen pick. You know, I look back at the two thousand twenty one draft, which I thought was super talented and you go look it back at it and it had some a lot of all pros in there. You know, the top edges in that one was Jalen Phillips, I think. Or well, I guess um, Micah Parsons, but at yeah. the time we viewed him as a stack linebacker. So um, Quignon Mitchell, the cornerback out of Toledo, he was the best player down here by far. By far. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the wide receivers a little bit. Roman Wilson was probably the best wide receiver down here. On day two, they just gave us a Roman Wilson versus Quinyon Mitchell show. And, and good stuff on Roman Wilson, the Michigan wide receiver. He got. If anyone got to win, any wins versus Quinion Mitchell, it, it was, was him. only him. Yep. But it was him and only him. I mean, he dominated every rep. He's got the athleticism. <laughs> he's got technique. He was killing guys all week long, <laughs> right? Whether it was vertically, he was jumping quick routes and team drills. He was awesome. Like he, So I read an article on Monday, like, oh, this Quinion Mitchell guy could be a first-rounder. And you have no clue who he is because he went to Toledo. And now I'm like, man, this guy's a. T- if Emmanuel Ford's one of the top fifteen. There's no reason why Quinion Mitchell because he has the size uh, to be an outside corner. He's got the athleticism. He's got the technique. He is a stud. He had an interception and one on in ones on Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's son. He looked like he he rose his stock a lot. I really I really think he's going to be off the board by pick twenty.
0: I I am uh, I don't even feel good comparing him to Emmanuel Forbes because I like him so much more than Forbes. What I'm saying is Emmanuel
1: Forbes went top 15, then uh, then there's no reason that he shouldn't be.
0: No, not at all. And uh, like you said, only only one guy really got the better of him. I thought that Ricky Pearsall as a wide receiver is somebody down here that really kind of made a fool of a lot of the defensive backs and he struggled very hard against Kenyon Mitchell. I think at one point he even took him to the ground. Um, But in general, I thought that there was a lot of impressive corners down here as well. The leagues below... Kenyon Mitchell, but uh, we, got, we got to see a lot of good corner play down here as well.
2: You know what's crazy? If the order is reversed, like let's just say last year's draft class, uh, this year's draft class is last year's draft class, and we're picking at, where were we picking at?
1: What, 24? Tw- yeah, 25, and then we traded 24.
2: 25, and we feel like we need to trade up for 24. If that pick is Kenyon Mitchell, I'm singing.
1: Oh, Singing. Yeah, again, I got to watch his film and all that shit, but he looked like a beast out here, I'm right? starting to get sold on the fact, like, if
2: you're a corner and you're just an ins- – I mean, this this was the research that really you did on Quinn Mitchell before you came here. And these
1: drills are built against corners, by the way, too. Right.
2: <laughs> you know, it's crazy. These these drills, a lot of these drills, the 1v1 drills that we were talking about with O-line d are built against offensive linemen, yet the last two years that O-linemen have looked really good down here. Um, but I'm starting to get, like, with corners – if you're just an insane athlete, you know you see this with uh you know, uh who's that guy from? Seattle. 2 years ago. Uh,
0: Tariq Castro. Tariq Woolen
2: Woolen. Oh, Woolen, sorry. You know Woolen just ran, ran like a deer and an athlete 99th percentile in arm length, 99th percentile in 40 yard dash. If you're an athlete and you can like and I'm talking I'm talking like really top tier athlete And you can sort of play football. It's like, I I think you're just going to be a good corner. And Mitchell fell into that list before we came down here to Mobile, backed it up this week. And he was really comfortable in both man, like 1v1 drills, that's like solely man coverage, and then really, really comfortable in zone two like fading back and then coming up and playing the intermediate part of the field whenever the ball went up there, feeling whenever there's somebody in front of him, okay, I pass my man to the guy behind me, now I'm going to come up and cover. So I thought Quinion Mitchell had a really good feel in zone and obviously dominated the 1v1 stuff. The only time that he got beat by Roman Wilson, Quinion Mitchell slipped. It's the only time that he got beat this week.
1: Yeah, and, and Wilson like, and again, Roman Wilson was looked really good. He dominated on day one, and, uh, and day two, they just put him on Kenyon Qu- Mitchell, and Mitchell stepped up to that. You mentioned Ricky Pearsall, and I guess we can close a little bit on this before we just kind of list some names because we're we're, we're hitting some time. Xavier Leggett, Justin, the South Carolina wide receiver. Mm-hmm. We talked about him on Monday about possibly being the star of this show, uh, and. I thought he looked good, but he did not shine in a way that you'd want, right? Even if it was overreaction, you wanted there to be talk about him being, you know, into the first round, right? Even, again, even if it was inter- overreaction, I don't think you come away from that saying this at all. Now, I saw, I still thought he made some tough catches, high-pointing the ball, using his hands. I thought his releases were good. Uh, I thought there was some good stuff as far as route running, but you just didn't see the speed – the quickness to really separate from guys where he was kind of stuck having to make some contested catches uh, when f- facing man coverage, and the quarterbacks also didn't give them very many opportunities to go up and make plays because, one, there were some inaccuracies down the field, and when they actually did push the ball down the field in team drills – they actually just didn't push the ball downfield in team drills.
0: No, they did not. Uh, I, I mean – here, here's the thing with look is that the the first day that we were down here, we were like, ah, this is it, that that kind of stinks. Like we had a, a lot of plays where it, he would like get a little bit of separation, then the corner would be able to close on him because he just he didn't continue that separation. He he wasn't making contested catches that first day. Second day, a little bit better, right? He. he he wasn't winning on the reps with a crazy separation or anything like that, but he was completing the play. He was making the catches along the sideline. They weren't easy catches. The biggest disappointment for me had nothing to do with either of those. The biggest disappointment was that we didn't see him today.
1: Mm. I think he was dealing with like an ankle or something. Someone commented on the video. So.
0: Okay. I mean, but I mean, it still stinks, right? Because we had one day we were really disappointed in him, and another day that we didn't come away yesterday being like, he had a great day today. We were like, all right, so we, we we started to see some things, and then nothing day three kind of just leaves a an emptiness mm-hmm. feeling to the week for me with him. And and we're we're in a in an offensive scheme with Brian Dable that that is able to get a lot out of getting forcing separation and, and things like that. And I with the value pick that I think that you're going to end up where Leggett is going to fall. I I think he's going to fall in the draft. I think you can just get somebody more useful for your offense. Yeah, I don't think he's a
1: great fit for the Giants, but I'll ask you this. Who had a better Senior Bowl week, Xavier Leggett or Rasheed Rice? Because I think Leggett by a good amount. And Rasheed Rice was kind of in the same situation last year. We are coming in with uh, a bunch of hype. We saw Rasheed Rice get worked a good amount yeah. of times down here last year. No, I
2: mean, I'll even throw it back at you with this. NFL draft, sure you can answer that question, but, I mean, this is talking Giants. Rasheed Rice kind of proved last year, and people were even saying about the about him heading into the Senior Bowl, kind of like, a spec how do you describe him? a spectacular catch guy? Mm. Where like he's a guy that's six one, six two or whatever, but he should but he plays like he's six four, six five, like he's a like he's a possession contested catch wide receiver. I don't think that's where the Giants are going. Like yeah. if if like I, I think I asked you guys this was in the pre stream, pre recap show, whatever. What's Leggett's game? What's his trump card? And Bobby, I think the phrase that you used is like, oh, he's like a spectacular catch guy. And when I hear that with this new Giants regime, maybe the old one with Garrett, I'd be like, Yeah, sure, let's go for it. But with this new Giants regime, if you're relying on those contested catches, spectacular catches, I think you're out.
1: Yeah, I think Lad McConkey, Zach uh, you know, Ricky Pearsall, Roman Wilson, all those guys who probably are viewed in like the same range are all more important, you know, bigger than even like, you know, Tulane, Jaquan Jackson. So before we kick it into the interview, why don't we each go one, just talk about one guy briefly that we didn't mention. I'll start with you, Justin. I was going to have Grump, read an ad. I almost wanted to go up and down the roster and just name names. Um, no. I, okay. Grump, read an ad. And then Justin, just tell me, give me this one, one last guy you want to talk about for your team a lot book of guys, man. Yeah, I got to do one. That's why it's, that's why it's fun.
0: Talk to us about Mando. Read us an ad. Introducing Mando from the makers of Loom Deodorant. Mando Whole Body Deodorant is the all-terrain vehicle of deodorants. It goes everywhere, over speed bumps at 35 miles an hour. Put it on your pits, package, feet, skin folds, back, knees, everywhere. Because body odor does happen all over your body, not just on your pits. So you need to get deodorant that you can safely put all over your body your body that includes your balls by the way Excuse me. and
2: your knees your balls like ball, like ball deodorant uh,
0: it, it's i said package
2: yeah well i mean i because I, I actually did have the, i have this
0: product oh okay yeah, yeah and i've used it on my balls so i i i actually used to go to the gym very early in the morning mm-hmm. and take a shower before i went to my day job and uh if you ever take a shower with hot water really quickly and then get out, you still kind of sweat a mm-hmm. little bit. So I was like, I don't want to... So I had like regular deodorant and I started doing this thing where I was putting like a little bit on my forehead. And I told people at work about it. I was like, I don't know why... And they were like, I don't think you should do that. i don't think nope. that's healthy this is healthy to put on all over your body i stopped doing that by the way but now i can get deodorant that i can do that um so special offer now new customers will get five dollars off of the starter pack with our exclusive code and link use code giants at shopmando.com that's s-h-o-p-m-a-n-d-o.com as a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Mando starter pack with code Giants at ShopMando.com. That equates to 40% of your starter pack when you visit ShopMando.com and use code Giants. You'll be glad you didn't. You'll be glad that you did.
1: I was going to see if Grump was going to say you'll be glad you did by yourself. No.
2: All
0: right, I'm... Justin, one player.
2: Bo Limmer. Talk about him. From Arkansas, interior offensive lineman. Uh, he is listed at 6'4", 301 pounds, 31-and-a-half-inch uh, arms. Uh, Bo Limmer, man, he was a nasty, nasty player for the American team this week. He was also one of the only players out, out of both practices, this includes guards and tackles, to really utilize a hop step, which I know if you're an offensive line report watcher, you know, you've know you heard Bobby Skinner talk about that for years now. So, Bo Limmer brought that nastiness that you want in the interior offensive line, had some good technical stuff to his game, too. One of the only guys to go toe-to-toe with Devondre Sweat through this week, through all three days. Unfortunately, didn't see them go 1v1 the third day. That's probably why Sweat had his best day today, just saying. So Bo Limmer, a guy that definitely wasn't on my radar, I'm really excited to go back, watch more of him, and see if the game film matches what he showed this week on the practice field.
0: Grump. Um, it's really tough because I think a lot of guys really jumped out, but one guy that we haven't mentioned that I think might get some draft buzz in the coming weeks, especially after this week is two lane wide receiver, Jaquan Jackson, um, shifty little guy. He he gets a lot of separation and he kind of, we kind of said that he reminds us of like this year's version of tank Dell. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, I think, because there's a
1: short King every year. I thought Jaquan Jackson was that this year.
0: Yeah. Tank Dell light. But but, but Tank Dell elevates. He may be a short guy, but he can play big. We didn't see him play big, Jaquan Jackson, but we did see him get very open. He had a lot of explosive plays. He would get deep as well. I thought that he was a lot of fun to watch this week, and I think that we're going to see him rise in the coming.
2: My observation on Jaquan Jackson is that I didn't record a ton of wide receiver DB 1v1s this week, but the ones that I did, I moved my camera the fastest when Jaquan Jackson was running. Yeah, he I was, was like, whoa, I'm, fl- I'm, I'm yeah, flying yeah, right now
1: with it. this camera. He was so fun to watch that he was actually going to be my guy, but Grump stole him. So what I'll do is Carlton Johnson, the cornerback out of Fresno State. Now, I, I feel a little bad saying this one because he's 170 pounds, and to me that's just not really what I want right now for the Giants, especially as we try and get our DBs better in the run defense. But he did play awesome down here. There wasn't a lot of interceptions and team drills. Carlton Johnson had one on the first day. He had did a great job. On the backside of a progression, cutting off an uh, an, an in route, I uh, had that right. And then day two, right? I was watching him in one on one. So I'm like, man, this dude's just fast; like he flies. And then they put the speeds up the next day. It was topping out like he had the fastest time over twenty two miles per hour. And then day three really dominated. I think if I think if Kenyon Johnson didn't have the day that he uh, you know the week that he did had, I think Carlton Johnson or Quinyon Mitchell didn't have the week that he had. I think Carlton Johnson might have been getting some of some of that hype. Uh, so, uh, Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 from the senior bowl Include, Mitchell, includes
0: Marshawn Nealon at 49. Well, How do you like that? Peyton I Wilson do like that. 40,
1: Peyton Wilson at 47. Check. He was going to be the one if my, one of my guys, maybe check out the breakdown on him. All right. We did an interview with Jackson Powers Johnson, the offensive lineman out of Oregon, probably the best offensive lineman down here. So check that out, but please stay for after the interview. Cause we're going to say some things that we want you to hear. And he with Jackson Powers Johnson was fresh off his interview with the Giants. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. we got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we're here with Oregon Center Jackson Powers Johnson uh, down here at the Senior Bowl. Jackson, first thing, we want to dive right into it. What are you, like, looking to prove down here? Is it, like, showing off some of your strength or maybe saying, like, going at a perceived weakness that, you know, teams have talked to you about?
3: No, definitely showing uh, what I've done all year. Uh, kind of cementing that and also that you know as a junior being a one-year starter that uh, I can uh you know do great against the best competition here and I've uh, to GMs that I'll be the first center off the board. Is there any
1: player that you've like kind of seen down here that you look at as like the best competition to go against or a guy you've played in the past that you like really have a pride in winning that matchup?
3: Uh you know there's a lot of great guys here and a lot of great talent you know you had the Outland Trophy you know and Swift and then uh and there's a lot of other great D linemen too. And uh you know, I'll be it will be fun to go against you know, some of my old teammates like uh you know, Brandon Dorless and, you know, Evan Williams at safety. So there's a lot of great guys on here and I'm excited for the competition.
1: One on ones are set against the offensive linemen, right? So it's not even always about the result. What is something like what is your mindset going into that? Is it like getting, you know, quick hands on the star of the rep? Like what what is your mindset of like showing off in that in those besides you know, finishing it good.
3: Uh, definitely just physicality within, the you know, the set. Um, getting your hands on a guy and, uh, you know, keeping you between the quarterback. Just the biggest thing that you got to do.
2: Now we've been here for two days. This is going to be the first day of practice. Um, kind of take us through, because obviously a lot of the fans, like we've never been in a meeting with an NFL mm-hmm. team. You met with 16 yesterday. Take us through, like, what were those meetings like? How were you feeling? What were some, what were some questions? What were some common themes of a lot of those meetings that you had with those teams?
3: You know, uh, those teams, you know, they've seen your play, they've seen your, your tape and Mm -hmm. now it's just, you know, who you are as a person, you know, where you grew up, you know, siblings, uh, you know, mom and dad, just kind of stuff like that, you know, just getting in the background on you and just kind of similar questions to that. Just, you know, where'd you grow up? You know, how many siblings did you have? What sports did you play growing up? And, uh, I got a lot of good ones for sure. You know, I bought room dance growing up a little bit, so I surprised a little, <laughs> little bit of teams on that one. You, even, you
2: were even singing before <laughs> before, yeah. before we were starting. Did you get any kind of inclination that, like, hey, I met with this team and maybe this team knows a little bit more about me than some other teams, so maybe they're interested? Did you get any kind of inkling or were teams kind of holding cards close to the chest like that?
3: I mean, most of the teams are going to play you know, close to the chest. I mean, there's a lot of guys here and they are doing a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had a lot of great interactions with everybody. You know, the, um, I met, you know, a lot of great people, and uh, it, was a, it was a good talk and a good time.
1: You mentioned being the first center off the board. Has anyone talked to you about, you know, sliding over to guard if needed? Is that something that you're open to, or you just want to be center?
3: You know, I'll, I'll play anything. I played guard in college, and definitely talking with those guys, you know, last night, they talked about uh, playing guard as well, and uh, I'd slide over for sure, and I'll, I'll get a couple reps here at senior bullet guard.
1: The Giants, we cover the Giants specifically. They drafted a center out of here last year in John Michael Schmitz. Were they one of the teams that talked to you about guard possibly?
3: Yeah, for sure, no. They talked to me uh, big on guard. You know, they showed me center film and kind of went through my center film. And then, you know, they asked about if I could play guard. And I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that can flex different positions. And they wanted to see me kind of play a little bit of guard today, so I will.
1: We, we talked to a lot of offense time and, and one of my favorite questions I ask them is, what is your favorite run concept? Is it getting out and pulling, you know, a duo? What, what, what is your favorite run concept that you like to run?
3: I think good old-fashioned inside zone. Uh, just whatever, you know, uh, football started out as. You know, just the meat and potatoes, physicality, go right up the gut.
1: Is there a, is there a certain play that, like, you recall where it's like this is, this is the play if anyone asks me to show me my tape that, that I have against, you know, whatever team?
3: Uh, ooh, I'd say probably Washington State. Uh, it was like this it was like this reverse, and uh, I wasn't really supposed to pull out there, but it just kind of came out that I was pulled around, so pulled around I was like twenty thirty yards on field, and you know blow up the corner, so I think that was a good one.
1: Those are the most fun plays when you can just cr- crack someone whether it 's on the sideline or wherever, just just you know get that like you said thirty yards down the field. That was Washington state this year yes, sir All right, we're gonna have to go find that we'll find, uh, the, find yeah, that it's clip a, it's uh, a good one um, where do you What are some, is there, have there, like, what do you think you need to improve on the most going to the next level?
3: I definitely just pad level. That's a big one for me pad level, bending, you know, flexibility and mobility. I think I'm, you know, good on power and strength, just uh, getting mobile, be a big yoga guy. So,
2: three plus plus traits. Like, if you had to just describe who you are as a player, what are those three traits that you kind of go right to?
3: Uh, Physical, nasty, and passionate. Uh, I think this, you know, football is supposed to be played physical. And uh, that's how everybody's intended it to be, and that's just the player I am. Super Bowl is
1: Chiefs 49ers. What is your pick for that game?
3: Uh, It's it's really hard to bet against the Chiefs. You know, they have a lot of experience there, but I think it would be also great to see the 49ers win. I think I want the 49ers to win, and just kind of selfishly, because uh, I had family grow up there in San Francisco, but uh, – I, th- I think the Chiefs will pull it out. I think it's hard to beat Pat Mahomes in the playoffs.
1: Non-Super Bowl – or not Super Bowl. Non-quarterback uh, MVP pick.
3: Non-quarterback MVP pick. Um, ooh. I think for each team, I think you're going to you need to see like a you know, Travis Kelsey for sure. And if the 49ers win, Christian McCaffrey. I, I, I want to get Trent Williams to
1: that right as an oh, offensive d- lineman. <laughs> Shoot,
3: I would too, but you know we live in a world where that's just not going to happen. We
1: got to have them use him in that surge motion a few times, like they've yes. done in the past, and just like they score need to throw him a ball.
3: They throw him a ball exactly. There we go. There
1: we so we got to throw Trent Williams the ball right. Tackle yes. eligible play and just use him in surge motion down at the goal hey, make line. Make
3: sure he rep- reports to the refs. Though. And
1: I will try and get my you know my little bit of clout going like Trent Williams Super Bowl MVP. Have Brandon Thorne and all those guys. Are we all,
2: are we all for you? So the Giants did this a couple times this year. Mark Lewinsky put him in pre-snap motion. We just saw it with the Lions. They put Penny Sewell. Well, Penny Sewell's just an amazing athlete. Pre-snap motion. Are we are we in favor for putting Lyman pre-snap motion, getting them ahead of Steen and just blowing people up? Oh, are we for in sure. favor
3: for that? Yeah, no, I think, I, think that's, I think that's starting up. I think they're going to start using that more because you got to use – if you guys use uh, guys you can run, big guys in space, I mean, it's – it's, it's tough to defend that. So I think they'll keep on doing that.
1: Until you've seen me in space, and then it's, it's easy to defend.
3: <laughs> is, is
1: there a player that you watch growing up or currently in the NFL, an offensive lineman, that not, not not that you emulate their game at, but you just really like watching them play?
3: Uh, I'd say Ryan Jensen. You know, he's a, he's a bad man. He's physical. He's tough. He's a, he's a prick on the field. So that's, that's who I kind of emulate my game after.
1: So you like being like, like – I feel like centers have to – be like the guys going to the you know defend the quarterback mm-hmm. at the, yes, end sir. Of the play. So I yeah, like I know. That. Bo Nix is down here, your quarterback. Yes, sir. Is there anything like that stands out about him that if you know other teams asked you like, hey, why should we draft him at quarterback? That really stands out for you.
3: Uh, you know, he Bo brings so much to the so much to the table as a quarterback. You know, he's got a great arm. You know, he's smart. He's played the game for a while. You know, eighty five years in college, as I say. <laughs> But uh, uh, not more than that, he just brings so much to a program and an organization. You know, he's going to impact your program. He's going to get in there. He's going to, you know, fit with the team. And, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to work on the community too. He's just that type of guy. Yeah. Nice.
2: One more. Most intimidating away stadium you've played in college?
3: Oh, that's a tough one. Ohio State was a good one. But um, well, I'm gonna say that the guys up north in Washington, you know, that was a, that was a good one. They sold it out. It was college game day. That was the loudest I played in. So, definitely the guys up there, you know, rocking the Huskies.
1: All right, man. We appreciate you jumping on for us, and good luck this week.
3: I yeah, appreciate you guys. Thank, thank you. you.
1: Thank you, man. Hey, shooter, you better hope I never get back in. There. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. And have some fun. All right. Thank you, Jackson Powers Johnson, for coming on the show. Maybe you'll be on the Giants soon. Uh, all right, that's our Senior Bowl coverage uh, for this year. Very fun. Year four of doing it. Uh, I want to actually thank the Senior Bowl. They hooked it up this year for us, right? Like, And not because we asked. They literally just offered it to us. One, they gave us radio row access, which allowed us to do all these interviews. And we took advantage of that. Monday morning, 6 a.m., it was us. It was ESPN radio, and it was local mobile Alabama radio, which I honestly really wanted to jump on with because I love local – I love just local news. I, I I find it fascinating for some reason. Uh, so we were able to get a bunch of interviews done. That's how we got Michael Penix and Joe Milton. And then I think we're going to roll out uh, some of the, these interviews on, like, the Sun on Sundays on the Talking Giants channel because they're not going to do great numbers, so we just figure we throw them on Sundays. So that – and they gave us access that only, like, maybe eight or nine – organizations had there were at least nine booths where we had internet we had our own table no one was allowed in it uh you know like we it was like the literally the new york giants and then us right Mm -hmm. right next to them right which was very funny to be like hey yeah you guys got some access so do we and and Uh, let me let me
2: tell you something about that like as the years have gone on this is my third year of coming down here this is your fourth right bobby every year that i've been down here so far i've looked at that area and said damn, what do we have to do to get in there? Because I saw that people would be streaming, they'd be recording. I loved the idea of being, oh, fuck, look at that awesome backdrop with the field that's like you're, you're there. And I really wanted to have that. And the fact that we had it and we were able to upload stuff so much quicker, we were able to stream so much faster and actually stream from the actual practice field. So hopefully, you know, even with all the Mobile Alabama wind and the stadium sounds here. you, you got to hear it all. Um, I was really thrilled and blown away with it, and especially the whole internet thing of being able to upload that video the same day and not have to worry about it the next day. I loved it, man. So thank you to the Senior Bowl, thank you to Jim Nagy, thank you to
1: our girl Molly for really hooking it up. Yeah, Jim Nagy, week. Molly Milton, they all were were awesome. So and thank you guys. This is our most fun trip of the year. Um, we you know we work a lot in it, but it's like really enjoyable. We get to go down there, hang out with people we like. And then just watch ball. I think that's the what's like everyone there's like, oh, are you guys gonna come to the combine? But the combine is like, that's not. Ball. It's all about talking with reporters and people on teams and media and stuff. Here is where I feel like we're most in our element it, because it's just ball, right? Mm-hmm. We don't you need to have a, a million inside sources. You're not looking for info. You're just looking here, watching ball, talking about ball. So I, I love it, um, Grump. Uh, we're gonna put his YouTube channel links in the description third your third year down here with us you are very valuable for us to come down here so i want to say thank you um as always i'm excited to have you down here with us next year um because it really helps like it's said one is the second set of eyes me and you are talking the whole time getting stuff you know notes off of each other so i want to say thank you to uh for coming down here with us again
0: thank you for inviting me i, I this is my favorite thing you know, i had a moment today with this was having that access that you were talking about and and, and just sitting and talking ball and and now, the third year, we're starting to network. Like, we've seen this, like, hey, how you been? Like, you know what I mean? It, it's cool seeing these guys, you know, every year now and, and having those conversations. And uh, had a moment today. We we work a lot, and we were, we were doing our thing in that little area there. And then we got all done, and I turned around and literally saw the sun setting on the stadium on, like, the last day here. And it's sad because it happens so fast. I'm down here for, like, the whole week, but... We really are moving and doing stuff the whole time, and by the time we get back, and we're just exhausted and shot. Um, it's always sad when I leave here. This really is like my football home away from home, and uh, I'm I'm really glad that you guys bring me down
1: Alabama. here. Alabama, uh, yeah. So thank you to Alabama too. Just just love this state. It's always great to be here. So thank you guys. Uh, make sure you know, you know, you uh, you like, subscribe, all that, all that good stuff. Check out Grumps' channel. Any, any final words before we get out of here and head back? Uh, I head back to Florida. You guys head back to Jersey. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? I had some Justin, words. I may see you in two weeks. May?
2: If not, then you may see me in three weeks.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that could happen, too. All right. So uh, we will see you guys maybe with the defensive coordinator. Maybe we'll put this out Friday morning. A defensive coordinator will be hired and we'll be really annoyed at the timing of that. We'll see. Until then, let's go Big Blue.